Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. So good to be back with you today on this Superhero Sunday. It's quiet out there. I imagine there's children out there, but I, I want to speak to you today about climbing the roof, roof climbing. I want to talk to you today about going higher and that it is possible for a way to be made even though it looks like there can be no way. Whatever your life looks like today, it's nothing in the eyes of what a mighty God can do. And I want you to walk out of this place today feeling encouraged and feeling stronger. And this scripture that I want to take a look at today, it speaks about a few different elements and some different characters in the story. It speaks about a house that is filled. It speaks about four men who contributed to making somebody else's life better. And it speaks about a, a paralytic man. And so I want to take a look this morning, if you go with me, into Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through to 5. Just these, just these few verses this morning, and we'll build some thoughts around it today. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through to 5. It says that a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered, and there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, let's just just paint a picture here with this. I mean, generally speaking, when, when you go to somebody else's house, what you're looking for is the owner of the house. You want to know who's going to give you some kind of entry into that house, But in this case, it was not about the owner of the house. In fact, we're not even sure who that was. The only thing that mattered here in this scripture was that Jesus was in the house, that Jesus was present. And this this word here today tells us that, that Jesus was in the town. But it was even more personal than that. It was that Jesus was in the house. You can be in a town but never have any proximity with who's in the town. But when someone comes into your home, when someone comes into the house, it goes to a whole other level of intimacy and contact. So he was present. He is a God that is not far away from your life. You may have come into this room today lonely, feeling cut off, feeling isolated, feeling like you're the only one that's ever gone through what you're going through. And I want to tell you today, your God is present in your life. He is not far away. He is right here. It's brilliant knowing that Jesus was in the house, but there's a problem. There was no room left in this house. This house was absolutely filled to the brim. There was no way in. And how do you get to Jesus when there's no room left, when there's no access? How do you get right in the middle of what God is doing? 
How do you get right into the very presence of Almighty God? How do you get into that place of hearing his voice and what he's teaching and that prophetic utterance? How do you get to where Jesus is when there's no way of breaking through, when the doorway is blocked? It's okay if you were the first ones in the house, if you managed to get there early and you managed to get through that door and you got best front row seat, but if you are weak or old or sick or frail, or in this case, a paralytic man, then there's no way in. Others have got in ahead of you. But in this passage, there's three main characters here. And it's three, these three main characters that make up this entire context in this word today. And in our own personal lives, we have been any one of these three, three people at different stages in our own lives. You'll be this this season and you'll be that on another season. But these three main characters in this are the ones that make up this entire story. There's times when you've been the one on the stretcher. There's been times when you're the one that needed to be carried for a period of time. But let's talk about the crowd because they make up this whole story as well because a crowd is made up of just about everybody, every type of person. In that crowd, there'll be the hungry, there'll be the desperate, there'll be the sick, there'll be the religious, there'll be the curious, there'll be the skeptic, there'll be the spectator. But irrespective of who was in the crowd that day, there was one thing that everybody in that crowd had in common and everybody heard the word that was preached. Jesus preached the word to them. What frightens me today is that we've got places across our earth today that are not preaching the word. I don't know what it is that they're listening to, but it's not the word that is preached. What is interesting here is that Jesus himself was and is the living word. He came to teach them things about the Father's kingdom. He came to tell them things that they had never heard taught or preached in that way before. He preached the word to them and they listened, keeping in mind Everyone in that crowd were not believers. They were not, yay, Jesus is in town. He preached the word to them and they listened. And that's exactly what happened to Byron and I when we first came into the church in 1980, our first entry into a Pentecostal church. We came into a church and we were staggered by the way that the word of God was preached. Did we understand it? Absolutely not had no idea who the Canaanites were, who the Philistines were, who this was and that was. Who are these people and what relevance do they have in my life? But the thing was, we heard the word of God. And when we heard the word, we heard about faith and not fate. We heard about faith and not luck. We heard about divine intersections that your life mattered because... We were made in the image of Almighty God and he had a plan and a direction and a reason for our existence. The word that was preached made an enormous difference in our life, even though we didn't understand everything. 
Without the word, there can be no faith. There is no faith without the word. And we know that the scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're not living by faith, then my suggestion is increase the amount of word in your life. If you're feeling frail and feeling like that's it, I'm done, I'm finished, get more of God's word in you. It is medicine to all of your flesh. It is strength to your life. It gives you the right perspective over things. Faith comes by hearing. But not only is it hearing because we hear the word on a Sunday but it's also the word that is lived and practiced and exercised and applied. Faith comes by hearing. So this morning, no matter where your life is at, whether you're in a tight place today or whether you're in a time of expansion and growth and blessing and you're just enjoying every single day that you wake up, irrespective of whether you're in a tight place or whether you're in a great place, You need the Word of God in both places. My Bible college principal told me the most dangerous time in life is not when you're in a time of crisis. It's when you're in a time of blessing. Because when we are being abundantly blessed, how easy it is for us to forget where God brought us from. When we're really desperate and having to look to the Lord, then everything within us is single-minded about seeing God come. And then we get blessed and we're having breakthrough and we're enjoying the benefits and my, how quickly we, we can forget. This crowd represents a tight place. There was no room for movement. I was listening to a pilot speak the other day and he said that, In his training time to become a qualified pilot, then there were different levels he had to learn and different levels he had to conquer. And he couldn't get to the next level until he conquered that level. And then once he conquered that next level, then he was ready for the the level after that. And if you will walk with God here today, then God will give you an ability to walk with him here tomorrow. And if you learn to walk with God and by faith in this today, then he'll teach you how to walk by faith in this tomorrow. He was speaking about reaching that place where the scripture speaks about reaching that place to where they could get to where Jesus was. Even though there was a crowd of reasons why there was no room, no access and no movement. The other element of this story is these four men, these four guys that carried the stretcher. The volume of the people, the length, the width of this crowd did not seem to be deterrent enough for them to give up. Thank God for those people in our own lives. Where there was no way through the door, there was no way to hear what Jesus was saying. And right now, enter into this story are these four men who I call climbing companions in our own lives. The climbing companions that will climb with you, that will carry with you all the way to the roof if necessary. And then once you get there, start digging and digging and digging and digging your way through until a breakthrough comes, until a change comes.
And it feels like at times our own lives is filled with stretch and carry and lift and climb and digging until we see daylight. These four men are worth thinking about for just a few minutes. The climbing companions that we all need at different stages in our lives. I want you to think for a moment about what the climb is, what the climb involves in our own lives. I'll just mention some things. My experience with climbing, irrespective of what your climb looks like, is that there's sweat and there's effort. There's expenditure in a climb. With a climb, it requires faith because when you climb, you've got to look higher. You can't keep looking down. You can't keep going sideways. A climb will have you looking higher. Even though the door is blocked, I'm still going to a greater height to see what my God is able to do. A climb will take courage to leave the crowd behind and to become vulnerable enough to get to where Jesus is, despite what other people may say about you, despite what other people think about you. When Byron gave his life to Jesus, he was mocked, he was criticized, he was teased. It was just a ridiculous environment, but I thank God a man who wanted to climb in his relationship with Jesus and sat at a lunchroom table with his Bible open while they all mocked him in the lunchroom. Sometimes that's what the climb is like, to separate yourself from the crowd and go after Christ. The climb is about belonging to something of purpose and something with a cause And something that is worth fighting for and something that's worth living for. The climb is not for the faint-hearted. This walk with God is not for the faint-hearted. And the climb is about putting the needs of somebody else ahead of your own. The climb is not easy, but the climb is worth it. A few years ago, we went to Alaska And while we were there, we did one of these tour experiences and we caught this train ride, just an old train up on a single track, right up into the Alaskan mountains somewhere. I mean, the most rugged terrain I've ever seen in my entire life and thousands and thousands and thousands of feet up into the air. And at one point... I looked out this window, which had no protection on the windows. It was just an open window. And this train, and at one point when I'm almost at the top of where this thing was going, I looked down, down into the Alps, and I thought, whoa, this is, this is actually not for the faint-hearted. I mean, one derailment, and you're never going to be found. You're never going to be retrieved. The climb towards Jesus is not for the faint-hearted. The climb towards Jesus will cost you. It cost us to go after the Lord. It cost me living in a city that I wanted to live in. The climb towards Jesus had us choosing his plan over our own. The climb towards Jesus had us living in places and in houses and in locations where we would never have chosen for ourselves the climb towards Jesus had us saying yes to him and putting our our opinions and our thoughts and our whatever's behind. 
The climb will have you praying when all you really want to do is just go to bed or watch TV. The climb towards Jesus will have you being found in the house of God instead of being somewhere else. Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote that famous uh, book that they've made movies out of today, Treasure Island. He rebelled against his Calvinistic upbringing, so strict. He was raised in Scotland and eventually he went off to college and when he was in college, he decided to get rid of everything associated with his upbringing. He decided to cut himself off from everything that had any sense of God in it at all and he he became an atheist. However, hold on to that word, however. Hold on to that word, nevertheless. Hold on to that word, but God. Hold on to that. However, when he became older, he began to doubt his own doubts. And he came to know that the world outside of God had no satisfying or eternal answers at all. Later, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, There is a God who is manifest for those who will look for him. He described his own faith as cast iron faith. He was a man who climbed with Jesus. Cast iron faith doesn't come cheaply. Cast iron faith isn't just a ticket at the door. Cast iron faith is a life that is choosing to climb with Christ every single day of your life. Cast iron faith means this. It is a faith that doesn't bend easily. But it can be molded, it can be taught, it can be shaped. It is teachable and it is willing, but it is strong. That's cast iron faith. The third person in the story is this man on the mat. We all know his story, this paralytic man who needed his, his climbing companions to get him to where he could hear the word of God preached. They climbed, they dug they carried. And once they broke through these five significant and profound words spoken from Jesus himself, and the word says this, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, which tells me faith is a seen thing, that faith can be seen. What he was saying to them was, I have seen your faith. You've done something with your faith. Clearly, they'd gone to much trouble and effort to get this man to Jesus. But it also helps us to know this, that in the Greek, this word faith means this. It means I am convinced. I have a conviction that what Jesus says is true. That's what faith is. I don't know what your story is today, but if you would become persuaded, if you'd become convinced, if you'd become absolutely in a place of conviction that what my God has said is true, then you've put yourself into a place of I've climbed, I've dug, I've broken through, and now I'm waiting to see what my God is able to do. That's what your God is able to do. This kind of faith is the faith that drives action that defies passivity, 
These four men were real examples of faith in action. And when they carried this man, notice where they took him. They took him all the way to Jesus. The greatest journey you'll do in your own life is get yourself to Jesus and take someone along with you as well. Carry someone with you. Faith with movement and being demonstrated that I've got a conviction that if this one can come into the proximity of hearing the word of God, there's a life about to be changed. They get him to Jesus. And Jesus says an interesting thing. This man's come for healing. And yet Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. What a bonus. What a benefit. In the Greek, the word forgiven means to let go of, to get rid of, to refuse to be hindered by that sin any longer. That the sin that you've been living in is no longer a a tag that I wear, it's no longer a stigma over my life, it's no longer a stumbling block, it will no longer trip me up because I have been forgiven to such an extent that it's gone from my life as though it never took place. That's the forgiveness. But the benefits now of this relationship with the Lord go beyond forgiveness. And Jesus says to him, pick up your mat And start to walk and go home. It was a call to move. It was a call to walk. It was a call to action, but it was also a call to go home. And I believe it's time for countless thousands, if not millions, to come home. It's a call to come home. It's a call to walk in what you were created for to come home. And the talk in the town must have been amazing because this was a chatter in the town. We have never seen anything like this before. What is going on in our town? I love that. When somebody's life is so altered by their connection with Jesus Christ, it's like, I've never seen this one like this before. I've never seen this one carrying a Bible before. I've never seen this one with hands raised before. I've never seen this one just, what happened? And I take that out of a page of our own books because when Byron met his friends again, after being delivered from alcoholism, they said to him, what has happened to you? Well, I tell you what, their words, if you don't want to hear, you don't say that to an on-fire Christian because you're going to get it. He's going to tell you. And oh my, he, he told everyone about Jesus that had ears, that had breath, that came into his little world at that time. He said, you got to know this God of mine. you got to know what this Jesus has done. I was once bound and now I'm free. I was once headed for absolute destruction and now I'm found in church on a Sunday. I used to be in a Sunday session at the hotel every single Sunday, every moment the doors were open. I'd stay there, I'd drink until the doors were shut because there was a time when Sundays, hotels were not open all day like they are now. There was sort of a certain time period that you would go. Well, he'd go the moment the doors were opened And then he'd leave with a whole bundle of drink to go home and drink until he was passed out. Now he's found in church when the doors are opened. 
What has happened? His name is Jesus. There's a few churches I go to that are starting to recognize, it's just starting to recognize that God is about to do the greatest wave of restoration our earth has ever seen. It's like those early little moments of, whoa, are we in labor here? Could this be the baby that's coming? There's a few little indicators to say, you know what? There's a move of God that's about to restore things as though they were never broken. Just come back from this church in North Queensland and they're on this 40-day fast. Some of the fasting technology, not opening up an iPad, a computer for 40 days. Some of them are eating a Daniel-style life, fruit, vegetables, nuts and seeds. Others might be just having one meal a day because they've got the paralyzed in their city. They've got the ones that are absolute desperate and broken. So do we. And on one of the meetings, because they're so focused on Jesus right now, they are climbing, they are digging, they are breaking through, they are worshiping, they are praising, they're coming to church. They've got four prayer meetings happening throughout the, the space of the week and their, their goal is to try and get 100 people in a room praying for revival across their city because they're tired of seeing the paralyzed. They're tired of seeing the sick. They're tired of seeing the broken. They're tired of having their prodigal sons and daughters' lives just wasted and messed up. And they're lifting up their eyes toward a God who is able and say, God, break through, break through, break through, God. And they're desperate. And at one moment, I did an altar call in this room. And it was as simple as release out of your hands and put this into the hands of a master who can do something with it. When I opened up my eyes, every single person in the room was at the altar, all bar about a dozen. That's what hungry people do. They don't come to be entertained. They come to meet with Jesus and connect with him. What can our climb look like? What does your climb look like? Why did Jesus meet the people in a house that was small, a tight place, restricted in the attendance of the people? Why didn't he meet in a field somewhere like we do with our carols where we can fit 15 to, I don't know, 17 or 18,000 on a field? Why didn't Jesus preach the word there on this particular day so that There wasn't limited space. And I believe that if you can find the God of your salvation in your tight place, if you can find the God of mercy and grace and salvation and power in your tight place today, then you can discover him anywhere. In your most broken and vulnerable place, if you can find that your God is actually there, then you can discover him anywhere. And this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you discover Jesus in a way that you never thought. I want your testimony to be this. 
I've never seen this before. I've never seen God move like this before. I don't know about you, but I'm in the bracket, I'm in the column, I'm in the category. I am tired of seeing brokenness. I am tired of praying with mothers that are grieving over their children. I'm tired of having another one diagnosed with this, that and the other thing and it be unchanging. I'm tired of hearing about the loss and the brokenness and the devastation of this, that and the other thing. I'm tired of living at this level. I want to climb with my God and see a spirit of revival move across our land. And I want to pray for you today because you'll be one of those three characters You'll either be the one on the stretcher today or you'll be the one that is carrying others or you'll be part of the crowd. I've just come to take a look. I've just come to take a look. I've been the one on the stretcher. It's not nice. But I tell you what, the stretcher has limited days. There's a time limit on it because the God that we're calling upon today is here to get you off the stretcher, to get you to roll up your mat and to start to walk and carry the testimony of a mighty God upon your life. Let's pray right now. Lift up your hands towards the Lord today. Lift up your hands towards Him. Father, I pray for every person in this room today. My God, I pray, Lord, in our stretcher days, God, I ask, oh God, that you'd move upon every life, every home, every family, every grandchild, every son, every daughter. God, I ask right now that you'd move upon every circumstance that we are bold enough today to put into the hands of a mighty and a powerful God. Father, we ask you today that you would turn us from our stretcher experiences God, that you'd move us into that place where we are the ones that are rolling up our mats, that we are the ones testifying to a mighty and a powerful God, that we are the ones, oh God, that are declaring, I've never seen this before. But God, we open ourselves up to that in the mighty name of Jesus and we give you praise that it will be our story, our testimony. We agree with that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen.